Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Score on the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump and at widemencantjump.com. And this show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com and cantonbay.com. Hear all the hockey analysis that our hosts bring you. You can find this show at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and at widemencantjump.com. Now we take you north of the border to our hockey expert, Tim Dombrova. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Wide Men Can't Score. Of course, part of the most awesome radio network in the world, the Wide Men Can't Jump Radio Network. It's Friday afternoon, February 22nd. Trades happening today, some other news to get to. Uh, might as well get to it right off the bat. Uh, Connor McDavid, two-game suspension for a headshot uh, during last night's game against the Islanders. Not so sure how I feel about this one. <clears throat> I think maybe two games was a little harsh. One probably would have done it for me. Kind of sets a nasty precedent there that he's uh, now a repeat offender with a two-gamer under his belt. Not a dirty player, obviously. Uh, I'm not, yeah. I mean, I've been reading comments all day long about player safety. You know, he gets this and he gets hooked and this guy got nothing and this guy ran this guy through the boards, blah, 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 blah. You just have to ignore all that. They take each one individually. They don't care about anything else that's happened previously unless they're a repeat offender, of course. And that was their decision and you got to live with it. I suppose you could appeal it if you really cared. Uh, maybe they might if they were in the midst of a playoff push or something like that, but they're not. So uh, I would say he wasn't feeling that great anyway. Maybe another day off won't hurt him. And uh, to be honest, it gives the owners another shot to uh, have a look uh, at their team without him, where their guys have to be a bit more honest. Uh, he missed one game the other day, and they actually looked uh, better without him in some aspects, which was kind of interesting. Uh, on the trade front, Steve Duchesne, as I watch the big screen in front of me right now, is out during the warm-up in a Columbus Blue Jackets uniform after being traded from Ottawa to Columbus today. A uh, couple of first-round picks, uh, one conditional, a couple of uh, prospects and another player involved in that trade. The fire sale continues in Ottawa. Now uh, the rumors are that they're not even going to try to re-sign Mark Stone either. They're going to let him go too. I don't know. Boy, I thought being an Oiler fan would be would be rough, but uh, being an Ottawa fan must be infinitely worse. At least Edmonton has got something in the, in the, in the cupboard. Not a whole lot, but something. Uh, anyway, let's get to the standings, and uh, let's have a quick look at those Canadian teams as they uh, go into this last 20 games. Heads up. It uh, looks like at this point in time we probably are only going to see uh, four, possibly five Canadian teams if Vancouver can somehow or Edmonton could somehow get it in, but I I have very little uh, faith in either of those two to, to catch the last wild card in the West. Uh, but let's start at the top. 
You've got uh, Calgary, 81 points, leading the Pacific. Uh, had a little bit of a bump there this week earlier, last week, but now it ripped off three in a row against Pittsburgh, uh, Arizona, and the Islanders. They've got the Ducks tonight in Calgary, which should be a win for them. Um, they're looking pretty good. The only thing I find a tad bit shaky about Calgary is their goaltending. I'm not a Mike Smith fan. The David Riddick story is quite wonderful. Uh, but the playoffs are another beast. So we'll have to see how that works. But other than that, Calgary's got everything you need. Uh, that takes us to Winnipeg. 76 points. Uh, second in the Central. Uh, they've been stumbling a little bit this last week or so. Uh, they're on a three to three losses uh, to Colorado, Ottawa, uh, and Colorado again. Uh, their goaltending's been a little shaky. They've had a couple of injuries. Uh, Patrick Laney still hasn't got it together. Uh, so he's 20 goals still, but for him, that's, that's a drop in the bucket. Uh, he should be doing better than that. Bufflin being out has really hurt them. But luckily they're in a position there where they're far enough ahead that it's not going to matter. They're going to slide into the playoffs anyway, and hopefully they get their injuries sorted out. And, of course, there's rumors that they're uh, looking to upgrade in the trade deadline, which, of course, is uh, Monday. So we'll have to see how that plays out. That takes us over to the East where the Toronto Maple Leafs are sitting in third in the Atlantic with 76 points. Uh, they've also been on a bit of a slide. Um, 2 nothing to Arizona. Uh, overtime loss to St. Louis, 3-2, which I can live with that one. And then again, 3-2 uh, to two to Washington last night. Uh, Toronto is just... Something's missing there. Got a good team, got a lot of offense, uh, decent goaltending. Uh, they're missing a little bit of grit, a little bit of firepower. And in typical Toronto fashion, they came out, they come out uh, sloggy, slow, don't look like they're really all that interested, and then they try to play catch-up all the time. And, of course, as we both know, or as we all know, both, all of us know, that that just doesn't work very well in today's NHL. But uh, Toronto uh, got a pretty solid playoff lock, but still, they could do better. Then uh, that takes us to the upstart Montreal Canadiens, who are in the first of the wild card positions. Uh, they've got 73 points. They're not all that far behind Toronto. Um, Toronto doesn't get their act together. We can see some changes there because Montreal has been on the upswing lately. Uh, 3-2 over Columbus and 5-1 uh, the other night, uh, last night over Philadelphia. Uh, ran Carter Hart out of the game. Uh Again, Montreal, uh, just a, no real superstars, just a nice, well-balanced attack. Um, and, of course, they've got Carey Price in net, which when he is on is uh, almost a guarantee for uh, for a win. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, he's just that good when he's, on, when he's on. So that would take us out of our playoff contenders. Then we would have uh, next up Vancouver, 
who are at 60 points, uh, two out of the playoffs at this moment. So not out of it by any stretch. Uh, they're such a young team, though, that I, I suspect that they will uh, fold it up uh, here shortly. Uh, they just don't have the, the horses quite yet. They're one and four in their last five. They got pounded by the Sharks. A heartbreaker to Anaheim. And then they managed a 4-3 win over the, the helpless Los Angeles Kings. And then they've lost again to the Sharks and to the um, Coyotes. Uh, they're not getting bombed. They're not getting blown out of games. They just don't have that killer instinct quite yet. And uh, they're still finding themselves there. They're a piece or two away yet. But uh, they could still, you know, if they could go on a run, they might sneak in. But I, I just don't see that happening at this point in time. But that takes us to the Oilers, who <laughs> actually their effort last night was probably one of the better ones I've seen from this team in quite some time. And they still almost blew it. Uh, if it wasn't for McDavid, that, that game would have ended differently. Say what you want about Edmonton, which is a lot. And we're going to get into that in a little bit when our guest arrives. But the Oilers are just, well, they're a tire fire. They're a dumpster fire. They're a hot mess. They're whatever you want to call them. Uh, there's a lot of changes that need to be made there. Uh, although at least one could argue that they've got McDavid and at least that's something. Um, I've got some opinions about him that are not universally held. We'll get into that with our with our host or our guest our host our guest host in a moment or two once he arrives at the top of the hour. Uh, but the Oilers, I would say, are pretty much sunk. Uh, they're six points out, which you know six points doesn't sound like that much, but when you get uh, six teams in between you and that six points, you know, it basically requires six teams to go on the, into the toilet while you don't. And that just rarely, if ever happens, you know, maybe one or two of them might, but they're not all going to. So uh, the 22 games left, I'm, I'm going to put the uh, total at, let's say, I'll be generous and say it's going to take you 90 points to get into the uh, wild card. Uh, I'll, I'll knock off four or five to Traditionally, it's about, what, 95, 96, I believe. So let's call it 90. Now, the Oilers have got 56 points, which means they're going to have to pull out another 34 points in 22 games. And that's if Minnesota only needs 28. And they've got 21 games left. So let's say they play 500 hockey or slightly above. That's what that would give them another twenty points. That'd give them eighty-two, which isn't even anywhere near ninety. But let's say that gives them eighty-two. That still would require Edmonton to pick up another twenty-six points from twenty-two games. So that's they think they've got to go thirteen and nine, um, which I just can't see them doing that. And now, of course, with McDavid being out for two more games. Uh, I mean, they may not, they may not be losses, but I'd say that that's greatly enhanced. So now you're down to 20 games. Uh, let's say you get this is the problem. You get let's say the next two games for Edmonton, and they get nothing, and they've got 56 points. 
and somebody in this mess above them wins both of those games, suddenly your six is 10 points. Now you've got to pick up five more wins with only 20 left to go to make up the gap. And then you've still got to somehow maintain whatever pace the trendsetter sets, which might even be you for that matter. But, I mean, I just Edmonton does not have the horses, and there's something going on in that town. I don't know what it is. We're going to like I said, we're going to examine that in further depth. Um, and then that takes us to, of course, the last place Canadian team, the Ottawa Senators, who today, of course, traded away one of their better players yet again for, well, I don't mind the trade so much, except it's all for the future. And I just, I, I don't, you know, you, you can't trade away your three best players, which is looking looking what they're going to do. And they got rid of Carlson last year for not much, in my opinion. Um, which is just not how you run a hockey team. In in my, again, in my opinion, some may may argue, but you can't you can't lose those kind of players. You know, first-round draft picks, well, that's all wonderful and good, but you're going to get Columbus's first-round draft pick um, right now. If that was to be today, uh, Columbus is 13th. That's going to be the, what, 17th pick? It, it, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with 17th pick in the first round, but we're not talking about, uh, you know, a top three or four. Certainly not a lottery pick. And the prospect, well, that's wonderful, but the prospect's not Steve Bouchain either, who admittedly had been ramping it up pretty good for for not that great a team. Apparently he liked it there. Um, From what I understand uh, in this interview they got with him, it wasn't about money either. It just... Didn't want to, the structure wasn't quite right for a new deal, and so they moved them because uh, Ottawa is cheap, and they don't want to pay uh, bonus money up front like everybody else does, which you know, is another argument, and I suspect we're going to see a change in the collective bargaining agreement next time around because that does tend to give a slight uh, edge to uh, richer franchises that can afford to write that check on June 1 or July 1st, whatever, I think it's July 1st. Um, And some teams can't because they're revenue strapped. Um, Maybe not can't, but it would hurt their bottom line. Let's put it that way. So, yes, back to the Senators. Uh, Hot mess. Uh, Worst team in the league. Uh, Worst-run franchise in the league. Not saying something we were talking about Edmonton in that mess. Um, just not thinking, not unfortunately having to come at hockey decisions purely from a financial point of view, which, of course, digs you a hole that you can't get out of, I don't think. I mean, I, I suspect that the... Ottawa Senators are going to be bad for a long, long time. Unless somehow one of their draft picks uh, turns into something better. Well, 
I see we are got our guest has arrived, so let's uh, light him up here and see if he's ready to go. Of course, he's uh, Tyson Dolly from the Dolly TV of YouTube. Wow, I picked this stuff up. I ran across it by accident the other day, about two weeks ago, and I really got a kick out of Tyson, so I hit him up, see if he'd come on the show, and he gratefully accepted. Tyson, how's it going today? Tim, I'm doing well. How about yourself, buddy? Oh, you sound great. Audio's good. Uh, let's get right to it. How did you feel about the suspension? Connor McDavid, obviously, I don't... Well, you caught a little bit of my stream covering the game last night. Of course, I was streaming right when that hit happened. And I think during one of the intermissions, I took about six or seven looks at the hit. And the more you look at it, the more it is suspension-worthy. For sure. Yeah, well, so, he got, yeah, he got two, two games. Yeah, two games, honestly... In a league that's really cracking down month by month almost at this point on headshots, it only makes sense. And especially, I know a lot on Twitter was made during, well, in the past whatever hour or so since suspension came down. A lot's been made about uh, the fact that the league's actually cracking down on superstars making these kind of plays. So on one hand, it's good. On the other hand, the old school kind of style of hockey thinking it's going out the door. And I'm I'm one of those guys that tries to fight that happening but at the same rate you gotta you gotta look at it from the other way if you have that happening against mcdavid as a lot of people pointed out in my stream last night i would have been probably throwing something through the wall or tv losing my mind about it right yeah definitely in full disclosure i'm not an oiler fan i just happen to live in i happen to live in alberta and i because we get the oilers so much i I just watch every game because i'm a hockey guy yeah, exactly. Um, so I, I don't, I won't go so far as to say I hate them either because that's that's not accurate. Um, but I got kind of a different take on Edmonton to a lot of guys. Um, like I noticed for, I used to watch quite often. You might be familiar with it. It's the two guys from the, um, uh, I can't remember their names. One's from the Edmonton Journal. They they do a recap every night. Um, they're yeah. they're both fairly they're fairly old. I can't remember their names, but they're so bitter and so <laughs> it's just I, I i would watch them and then i would catch your uh i would catch your videos and go okay here's a guy granted you're probably um a third of those guys is ages too so that doesn't doesn't hurt um, yeah you got a fresh you got a fresher outlook than them but uh i i just like that uh you were you're a fan but you're not one of those fans that's got the blinders on uh, but uh, you know that that's one thing I try to take off as much as possible, right? You gotta you gotta look at it from all aspects. And if I'm looking at it one way, let me tell you, if I go hard on one line the entire video, the comments section on the videos is pretty much every other line possible that I could have gone jammed down my throat. <laughs> you think I'm trying to jam my point down their throat? It, it's actually everybody's jamming their point down my throat. And I sit here. Sometimes I post a video usually around five six o'clock in the at night, Alberta time, and all of a sudden I got to be to work at 7:30 the next morning. I'm up till 11, 11:30 responding to comments, and I mean it ranges from one sentence, a bold point, to sometimes I think I actually had one show up uh, on a Bakersfield video, four paragraphs, four full like essay paragraphs about why I was wrong uh, to take that line. So to, to sit there and 
have to consider every single aspect when you go into a video. It's, I'd say it's a lot, but it's a very good thing. You got to take the blinders off and realize everybody looks at things differently, and it's it's all about making sure you're looking at right, but, every but way you, you can. But you also you also aren't what I like to call the bandwagon fan, where if the Oilers are playing well, you'll say so, and when they're not playing that well, or at least in the videos I've seen of yours, you don't go looking for excuses or one of these guys who, oh, well, it's the Oilers, so everything they do is right and everything that happens against them is wrong. Sort yeah. of like this McDavid, like the McDavid suspension where I've been reading on uh, Sportsnet today where people are just like, well, oh, if it was anybody else, it wouldn't be a suspension. Well, yeah. no, I'm thinking if it was, you know, let's say that's Tom Wilson who drills uh, Tony oh. McDavid in the side of the head. Oh, man. Um, I think, you know, Oilers fans are looking for five, right? Or more, probably. Well, actually, Wilson would probably get five or more because he's a goon. Yeah. Wilson would definitely be looking at five. Minimum. Um, So let's, let's, uh, I kind of have just kind of give a quick run over of where the Canadian teams were sitting. Let's talk about the Oilers. All Um, right. I'm 51. So I was alive and a fan back in the glory days. I've seen Gretzky, Curry, all those guys. I've seen them play. I saw the Cups. And I wasn't an Oiler fan, but you, I, I'll give credit where credit is due. At one time, the Oiler franchise was the model NHL franchise. They and had then you, everything. And now you and look at it. somewhere... Somewhere something went wrong. (laughs) I don't know if it started when they traded Gretzky and that was the beginning, uh, or if we want to maybe ramp it up a little further. I kind of would say that for me, it is when Daryl Cates bought the team. And that's that's exactly the point I was going to get to because the the question is what uh, for me everybody goes to the old boys club mantra, right? Well. Right now, we've solved every possible problem except for the old boys club at this point. And with the Oilers, the old boys club, realistically, you, you got to think, obviously, Kevin Lowe and Craig McTavish were involved in 0506 back then before it was owned by Daryl Cates for the Oilers. So you, you said, okay, to a degree, you can blame that whole mantra for being the issue, but you have to go one step higher. And I, I mean, I'm a cautionary tale on blaming Daryl Cates because I, I believe the owners hold all the power and the privilege that we have to watch hockey games in our said city, right? If it's Edmonton, Calgary, wherever across the country. So it's, it's a tough one for me, but I definitely got to look at the time since Daryl Cates has been an owner. Well, guess what? Anyone who's been a previous Oilers owner has made almost what five to one, the playoffs that Daryl Cates has made as (laughs) owner of the Oilers. It's definitely a good uh, well, the, starting point to look the at. The thing is, what I don't like about it, and from the, and because I like yeah, again, I'm not an Oiler fan, so I can look at it real subjectively. Uh, where is he? You hear nothing. Not, yep. And it seems Not, odd to me. It, it's it's tough because you, you, I mean I look at my comments section and you. You sit here and you read those comments and you go over it. And it's not to bash my comments section or to bash Daryl Cates the other way. I mean, it's it's a tale of two different situations. In the comments section, half the time, if I, if I mention anything about Old Boys Club or Daryl Cates, it's a very tough 
situation because then you have everybody saying how involved Daryl Cates is. Yet, I mean, honestly, even on Oilers I'm not sure social he's media, at all. exactly Oilers social media over the year, how many pictures of Daryl Cates do you see on Oilers official social media channels None. within the span of an NHL season? It's it, it's very tough to sit there and say how involved or how not involved he is. I mean, is, usually but... you'll see him at the draft. Yep. And that's, that's, and that's pretty much it. Yep. So, and... all right. So let's take, let's take that, that, that line of thinking further then. If you, if you agree with me on this, then I would yep. say if I had to put money on it, that Daryl Cates is, is an indifferent owner uh, in the sense of as long as the owners are making money, he's, pretty much okay with it. Um, not, so then, uh, not a hundred percent, but, but, but that's, if they're, if they were, if nobody was going to the games, we might see a little bit of different action. That's, that's definitely a fair point because obviously you have to look at the way it's been in Edmonton for how many years, right? Obviously the Oilers for the past few seasons with Connor McDavid and tow, they've had, phenomenal hype every season entering the year it's oh you know what the playoffs are a pretty good chance this year and the fans come out pay absolutely sky high prices I mean season tickets I think have increased substantially year over year since being in Rogers place and you sit there and they all go to the games for about the first 40 games of the season and the building's full the building's full and the building continues to be pretty full whether it be a winning season or a losing season, like however one season has been a winning season, two haven't been, but you look at it and the building continues to be full, but it's not a necessary of the tickets being sold for what they were, but there's still money coming in no matter what at the end of the season, wherever this team is in the standings, whether we be as we are now eighth in the wild card or like in 16, 17, two rounds deep into the playoffs. Right. So and because they've got McDavid, and also because they've got McDavid, they're a good draw on the road. They get a nice, uh, a really nice cut from road games yep. because he brings in a certain amount of people, like him, hate him, whatever the case may be. He is a draw. So mm-hmm. they, they, and I imagine merchandise wise and all those things, they've got to be doing extremely well with him. And if you're if you're uh, Daryl Cates and your business is doing extremely well, I don't know why you'd change anything up. That's that's, that's I guess that's, that's, my, that's my point there. So then, so let's go down a notch. Then let's just tell you that Daryl Cates is a he's hired Bob Nicholson to to run the team, and as okay. long as the bottom line is there, he's he's okay with it. So then let's look at Bob Nicholson. I don't. This is my, this is my opinion, and people may differ. I don't think Bob Nicholson is equipped. They're on an NHL hockey team. Well, and coming from Hockey Canada, right? You've got two very different a, thinkings. Yes, that, that's why. I'm not saying the guy is stupid or anything like that. I'm just saying what he his claim to fame is not being an NHL general manager slash president of hockey ops, whatever title they've slapped on him, I guess, president of hockey operations, I guess he is. Um, no. I don't know that he has the 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 skill set to to run that team. And that's that's exactly. Then all of a sudden you get into the old boys' mantra, right? You've got Bob Nicholson surrounded by guys in high up positions in the Oilers Entertainment Group, 
like Craig McTavish, like Kevin Lowe, and you look at the guys surrounding him who Oilers fans have had frustrations over the years saying they don't do the job, and now you've got Bob Nicholson in there with, I can completely agree with your point, which is he equipped? Well, you look at, is he, from a personal point of standpoint, is he equipped to be doing it? And then he's got his support staff, which are they equipped? Well, it's a, it's a bunch of question marks that at best lead to, is it on the Oilers' part at this point, not making the playoffs? Is it due to upper management incompetence? And that's, that's a point a lot of people like to make for sure. Well, that's, that's where the real trouble for me starts is because I go, all right, I, I agree with you 100%. I think they had a, uh, unfortunately for them, they had a general manager who had had success in Boston with the rough and tumble style of play. And then the league went away. Then the league went away from that. Maybe a year after he got to Edmonton, they decided they didn't want to play that. The league that didn't work anymore, which got you stuck with the, uh, in particular, the Lucic contract, which is just, horrendous and looks worse, you know, every year that goes by yeah. just is that much more horrible, wow. unfortunately. And I like yeah. Cheech. Like I don't think he's not a bad guy or anything. He no. just does not have he just doesn't have the skill set to play in the NHL anymore. At not least what exactly. they're expecting out of him. He said he could be a fourth line grinder guy at, you know, yeah. like a million and a half or something and you could live with that. But that oh, six easily. million dollars is just is just a killer. Um well, Yep. Yeah, so that's the start of it. Then you've got, you know, it's just some of the moves they've made. Uh, like even just recently, you know, trading Kajula and Garrison to Chicago for Brandon Manning. Like, what were they thinking? Who thought that and, was a good idea? And that's a very tough one because the only defense, the only defense for that move is that it was a stopgap measure. But I'm sorry, nowhere in hockey history has any stopgap measure ever turned out to, A, save a team season necessarily. It, it's a lot more other things than it is a stopgap measure. Or, as everyone tried to pinpoint it, save a general manager's career. Well, that's, obviously. that's where I, yeah, you're, that's, you're dead on the money. That's where I'm headed with that. Is that that's really, that was him just trying to do anything. Hopefully yep. this guy find, finds his game or, or whatever it is that, that he can get going and, and, you know, get us some kind of positive out of it. And I mean, yep. now he's buried, he's buried in the minors. And in my opinion, they gave up a pretty good player in Kajula, who well, I didn't think was all that horrible. And the worst part about Kajula is you sit here and you look at the statistics for the Oilers' depth scoring after McDavid, after Dreisaitl, after Nugent Hopkins, after, okay, even, say, Nurse and Chase on, you know what? Kajula, based on what he did in Edmonton this season, is right up there. And, and that's a very scary thought at the state of this team, given you trade a guy like Kajula as long ago as it seems we did, and he would still be as high up in the stats leaders. He's still for the Oilers. like, what, like sixth or seventh or something because He's, nobody's done anything. Exactly. It's hard to, like, you know, as I said, I'm not an Oilers fan, and it hurts me to look at it. And I'm just like, God, are these guys so bad? Like, what? 
Okay, granted, on paper, they've, they've got some weak spots, but they've also yep. got two of the best players in the league. <laughs> and Not... and they still can't, they still can't <laughs> get it done half the time. And it just kills me. I mean, I, I've been covering now. I mean, my content before was hit or miss on the Oilers starting the season, but as about mid-November is when I really jumped on, right around the time that uh, everything was coming to a head with Todd McClellan in Edmonton. And, I mean, following the team in the Ken Hitchcock era, it's, it's been such a roller coaster of emotions, first off, right? You go on that 9-2-2 two, two streak in the first 13 games. Man, things look good. Things look great. <laughs> and then you have the yeah. gut bomb injury. The wheels fall off the bus. And now you're at this train wreck intersection of the season, 60 games in, 25, 29, and 6. And you're sitting here, I mean, I'm looking at the NHL standings right now in Sportsnet, losing four of your past five games. And you sit here and where where did things go wrong with this team? And you try to compare to last year. Really, last year you can't compare because you didn't fire your GM and your head coach. So scratch last year, scratch everything that happened then. And you look, and the only thing I can come up with is everyone tries to blame it on the effort level level and the compete level. I, I think it's just core hockey fundamentals in not even how you play. It's, it's playing with emotion, playing with heart, and just gutting out victories. And, I mean, they did that against New York last night, but one in your last, however, does not do anything positive for a season per se. Well, I wonder, okay, well, let me throw this at you then. I've often thought that the Oilers were too quick to crown guys as the next whatever, um, i.e. Darryl, uh, Darnell Nurse. Oh, he's going to be a Norris Trophy winner, you know, in two or three years. Um, he's a decent defenseman, don't get me wrong, but yep. he's a long ways away from winning any Norris trophies. Um, <laughs> they, they, seem, they seem to take their guys and throw them, even Connor, who yep. admittedly is, uh, I mean, you can, I suppose we can sit here and argue that he's, you know, is he the best player in the league? Is he the second best player in the league? Whatever. He's, he's in the top three. Even if you hate him, you've got to put him there. I mean, the skills yep. are just too, too much not to. But even him, the, the, the press and management, like I've seen on occasion where he kind of gets a bit of a free ride because he's McDavid. I mean, granted, he's McDavid, so maybe he should. Uh, there's two ways of looking at that, I suppose, because his yeah. defensive play is not spectacular. But that, that's exactly where you look at uh, what you mean by the Oilers crowning their guys way too early, is you look at it that simply of, the Oilers are expecting, what, 21, 22-year-olds to be guys or to play like guys who have played in the league since they were 18 right. and now they're 28, 29, 30. And it's just the, the, the Oilers expect so much to come together so fast but don't have the glue necessarily to make it happen, no. right? So I agree. It, See, I, I don't think they ever should have made him the captain. Not because he isn't got the material to be one. It's just one less thing that he's got to worry about. Exactly. But like I said, without <laughs> the glue, and the glue is the guys that can be your captain on a team that has McDavid. The glue is the guy that can show Darnell Nurse how to become a Norris Trophy defenseman. I mean, back in the, back in the day when they had uh, Eberle and Hall and 
Nuge and those guys, and they were all young. They used to send guys like, you know, Jason Smith had to go out there and answer those questions. Yep. About why, they, you know, how come you guys aren't winning? Yep. And they didn't have to send a guy who, okay, you know, because really, you couldn't blame Connor McDavid for going, what, what more do you want from me? I went out there and I went out there and had four points and carried the team on my back for forty seven minutes. And the yep. ten minutes I wasn't out on the ice, we gave up three and we lost. Like what do you yep. want me to do? Like and you can see some nights he's got the look on his face of God, I just wish I was anywhere but here. Yeah, and I mean we saw that famous photo, right? That one uh that he was compared to, what is it, Frankie Gallagher off of Shameless, right? That uh, 10-year challenge that <laughs> viral on Twitter and Facebook. And they had Connor McDavid at draft day, Connor McDavid, the current Oilers captain, photo during the interview, and then Frankie Gallagher off of Shameless. It, it's just mind-numbing to think that, man, that is what we're picturing as our captain as he ages with this team. Like, See, I, I think he should go – his mandate should be – Connor, we want you to fill the net as much as you possibly can. Yep. And after that, we are not expecting diddly squat from you. No, just be, just be a you face go- on the team. Well, look at look at the Edmonton Oilers history. Nobody asked Wayne Gretzky to play any defense. He didn't need to. <laughs> no. Keep the puck. Do what you need to do with it when you're out there. And we'll find some guys who... Or, or, you know, they had, you know, he'd play with Curry, and then they'd throw Esatikinen out there, and that was the defense on that line. Yep. And Esatikinen knew he was the defense on that line. You know, and he played his role, and that's how they, you know, they won, well, ridiculous amounts. Yeah. And, and, and now, you know, go ahead. Now, now you look at it, who you have with Connor McDavid, obviously, if you want to go, you've got Tikkanen, Gretzky, Curry on a line. You look at it, you've got, Drysaddle, McDavid, Kazian, and we're looking at Kazian from the wrong point of view. If you're looking at it with the Gretzky perspective, you're looking at Kazian to help the offense instead of help the defense, right? right? And he I mean, a, come on. He should be doing the, uh, I don't know if you're old enough to remember, well, probably, but well, definitely you're not old enough to remember. Gretzky's first year in the league, he had a winger, uh, Blair McDonald. Oh, that's a name was, from the past, that's for sure. Okay, and, and yet he nearly got 50 goals. I believe he scored 48. Okay, Zach Cassian is not a horrific hockey player. No. Surely, surely he could get 20 goals by standing in front of the net and cleaning up their garbage, if nothing else. Yep. And, and yet then, it doesn't seem to work there for some reason. Well, and that comes down to the heart and – just the grit the Oilers seem to lack night in, night out. They don't – my biggest critique for probably the past two weeks of Oilers hockey up until the past two games against Arizona and New York is just go to the net, crash and bang in front. Something, something's good bound to happen because nothing good has happened yet, and that's just hockey, right? If you crash and bang, a bounce will go your way eventually. So, well, like you said – I figured last it, night when it went to 3-2 to – I thought they were done. And, and that's, that's the thing. is all, all of a sudden, as Oilers fans, we are just 100% conditioned this season and after last season. As soon as we jump out to a lead, oh, we know, we know the pushback's coming. If we can survive it, we win. If not, we lose. And as soon as that pushback comes, we just have this 
innate sense that while this game's gone, and I mean, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I'll sit there and live stream two periods. Life's good in the first. We're up two nothing. <laughs> then suddenly the pushback comes back. And I'm like, oh, guys, you know what? I, I, feel, I feel maybe I'm, gonna, I'm better off chancing it not being live, and we'll see what happens in the third. And something good will happen, or the train will fall off the track. Yeah, I know. And we'll see what happens. The other night, I, I, I turned it off for a minute to go do something else, and then I came back to watch the third, and you were gone. And I Yeah. What happened here? Did he lose his speed, or what's going on here? And then I saw later that oh no, he just sometimes he bails out when he's when it's not yep. uh, he's not feeling it. <laughs> he sometimes will stop. Oh, well, right. and that's, right. that, that's that's the question, right? As Oilers fans, we all sit here and we all say how sick we are of the losing, but we continue to constantly draw ourselves right back into the fire of okay, well maybe well, today's is- going to be different, and. It really isn't, and you just have guys being thrown out there trying to make a difference that, in the end, most seasons don't. And somehow we all sit here and look at how it goes wrong, and after 13 years, one season anomaly, I guess you could say, making the playoffs, we've had 12 (laughs) seasons where it's gone wrong, and we're still asking ourselves, how's it going wrong? Well, I, see, I, I will take this perspective on that. I'm a Leafs fan. The Leafs have not won the Cup since the year I was born. So 51 years ago. And, they were, and they've been horrible, uh, were way worse than the Oilers were, like in the 70s and 80s, the Toronto Maple Leafs were a dumpster fire of epic yep. proportions. And yet I watch the Leafs every Saturday. If you're going to be a yep. fan of a team... No, if you're going to be a fan, if you're a real fan, it kills you that they're losing, but you watch and you cheer anyway. Yep, exactly. You, you can't be a bandwagon fan. And may- no, maybe an part of the problem was their success came just way too quick. You know, they yep. were only in the league for four or five years, and they were already, you know, uh, in a Stanley Cup final, I believe, what, in 82, oh, 83, the- whatever it was. Yes. They got swept by the Islanders, but, you know, they had, they saw success really quick. And yep. maybe the fan base is just spoiled a little bit, yep. you know. They, well, maybe not so much anymore for your generation because you've seen pretty much nothing but the bad well, side of it. There, There's actually a real big divide. I see, like, obviously I keep going back to my comments section, but it is just such a beautiful sight. I have guys that go back all the way to before the Oilers were in the league obviously during the glory days of the 80s. And then there's this clear drop-off. I don't see anyone that was a fan of the Oilers or became a fan of the Oilers in the early to late 90s or early 2000s. It it seems to go from before the glory days, glory days, and then all of a sudden it speeds up to 2005, 2006. And I mean, for me, that's my my special season. I accidentally turn on the radio at a parent's friend's house and I discover... Oilers hockey on the radio for the first time. And then all of a sudden you just invest yourself, right? Like I didn't bandwagon per se, because who knew they were making the playoffs that year, but you invest yourself and you go all the way to the Stanley cup final game seven against the Carolina hurricanes. And bang, all of a sudden you're, you're You're, you're, right. You're just absolutely hooked for now. It's like I said, 13, there's, Years later. 
got to be nothing stupider than a fan who throws his jersey out on the ice. Oh, okay. You want to get me started on that one? uh, And it's got to be the dumbest thing I have ever seen. Even if that thing costs you 20 bucks and it's a knockoff, you are a complete and total moron. And to be quite honest, you should be punched in the face by the fan sitting next to you and removed from the building. If that is your real intention. Because we don't yeah, need you it, here. No, it's, 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 it's the policing in hockey, right? Obviously, just as the same on the ice. You do something stupid on the ice, somebody's going to make sure you're put in check. In the stands, I'm, the jersey toss, what, 50 games into the season? I, I'm, I'm sorry. You, I, we, we've done this before, yes. Okay, the Oilers fans, there's been a couple that have tossed the jerseys on the ice before. But, I mean, the Oilers were, what, four, two, six? I, the math is throwing me for what they're numbers only, they were at They're only six points out right now. They're exactly. hardly out of it. They, they were nowhere near done for the season. And I, I'm not going to go into name calling. I'm going to call this guy a genius because I, I don't want to call him names, but obviously I'm being a little bit sarcastic when I call him a genius. He tosses the jersey on the ice, and the video that went kind of viral within Oilers fan base on Twitter you, you just see this unease in the section of which he threw it in. There's some guys, just the guys recording the video are obviously just like, what in the heck just, you've wow. got the guys somewhere to the right or left that are sitting there booing and you've got everybody else down below right where he tossed it from just kind of looking straight on. I can like, tell you, if he'd have done that in the 1980s at uh, oh. Northlands, he'd have got punched oh. in the face. Yeah. That I mean, I've watched several games there, um, uh, particularly one where uh, the Penguins came into town and Mario was in just absolute top of his game, and they ran over the Oilers. They just crushed him. And there was fights in the crowd. I remember going to games in the early 80s, and if you weren't cheering for Edmonton, when your team scored, you you could clap and cheer, but that better be it. Yeah, you got any more rambunctious than that, somebody was going to come and tell you to be quiet and, you know, why are you here? <laughs> kind of, yeah, kind nope, of thing. And no, sure. nobody ever threw any jerseys on the ice during the 80s. Even no, if the Oilers were horrible. Mind you, they weren't really horrible in the 80s, but still. And and that's, that's exactly the disconnect. Like, fans are – I mean, if you're going to a game, knowing you're so upset at the team that you're thinking of – basically revoking your your fandom by throwing your jersey on the ice like, like why why even bother a a bringing your jersey because you're just exactly. throwing away 220 you either, you either whatever. planned on doing it which makes yep. you an, an idiot or you're not really thinking clearly because like if you like them so much that you're wearing the jersey to the game that's, oh man, yeah, I just can't. I can't rationalize it. At, at the same point, if you're if you're planning a to throw that jersey, you bought the ticket just to throw the jersey. You know what? I'm sorry. I know a lot of kids in northern Alberta who would kill, kill absolutely kill, to go to an Oilers game, Dude. especially from the seats he was at. Like seriously, you could have. In those uh, seats, you Sorry? could have spent $40 on an internet connection and started a YouTube page and screamed at the Oilers for free for an hour and a half. 
That's exactly all. I mean, <laughs> you know, you I, I don't want to advocate for anyone's spend, opinion, uh, but. Yeah, but you didn't need to spend whatever. Uh, I mean, he had a fairly good seat. So I kind of yep. shudder to think what the what the ticket cost. The jersey, yep. depending on where you got it from, could be anywhere from you know fifty, sixty bucks to two hundred and fifty bucks or more. Yeah, I mean, you just you you could have spent. I mean, even at the, I mean, the ticket had to have been at least a hundred dollar ticket. Oh, I'm guessing, easy. if if not more. Well, okay, especially... so you just you just invested, you know, at a minimum probably two hundred two hundred and fifty dollars. And the time it took to get to the game and all the other nonsense involved with going to a hockey game, so that you could throw your jersey out on the ice. Yep. Wow. And I'm <laughs> I'm really hoping I'm hoping that guy got removed and was uh, sent home a little bit early that night. And if not, oh my, that's well, that's tell you what, a bigger question. I'm, I'm not a fan, and I'll make a better use of that seat than he did. Yeah. Yeah. I will at like, least enjoy the game, and I have no problem. Uh, you know, if when the Oilers do something good and I'm watching the game, I have absolutely no problem going, well, that was a hell of a play or that was a bonehead play or whatever it is. I mean, I'm watching it, to watch the sport. Exactly. Uh, at the end of the day, when you're in an NHL rink, it, it, as much as you're there for your team, you you wouldn't be there if there wasn't another team there, right? No matter right. how exactly. hardcore, no matter how hardcore of a fan you are, if the other team makes a good play, collectively, I don't care if you do it, but the guy next to you or the woman a few rows down, everybody's going to be gasping when the other team makes a gorgeous play. Honestly, you, you see it when McDavid's on the road. There's a little bit of applause after he makes a play. I mean, if you catch it in the background of the broadcast or even in Calgary, when I watched the November 17th Battle of Alberta, you know what? There was collective everything whenever either team did anything obviously yes the Oilers fans they're making the most noise but you can tell Calgary Flames fans were just as impressed by some of the things that happened as the Oilers fans were when it was an Oilers thing happening and it's because at the end of the day you're all there because it's hockey you're you're not there to watch the Oilers play badminton right right what would you rather see the Edmonton Oilers beat the Calgary Flames 14 to 1 or watch them win four to three in overtime. Oh, oh, that's a tough one. Obviously, obviously, it would depend on the situation. Okay, maybe I Edmonton mean, and okay, maybe Edmonton and Calgary's maybe not quite because there's a little bit more going on there. <laughs> I would rather I would rather see a hockey game though where the score was close and it was back and forth. And oh, you know, okay, it's two to one for Edmonton. Oh, oh the Islanders came back and scored a goal. It's tied up. Yeah. Oh, son, son of a gun, the Oilers got one. It's three to two. Blah blah blah, yep. blah blah. I would rather watch that than okay. What's what? It's there's seven minutes left in the second period, and the score's what eight to one. Uh, okay, that's not really that interesting anymore. Exactly. Unless, at, 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 that, you know, at that point, all you're watching is for a stat line, right? Like a guy like Sam right. Gagne, his eight point night, or a guy like Connor McDavid having a hat trick and three assists. That's the only reason to keep watching at that point. Whereas I totally get your point because having been a former junior B broadcaster, let me tell you, I've I've called games that are 9-1 for the home team, and, I mean, the building is just dead. Your, your home team's winning 9-1, and the building couldn't care less. And I've called games yeah, well, that are 3-3 three, no three going there, into right? double overtime, and the building's losing its mind, right? So, I mean, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous, but even like the Olympics, 
I really would yeah. rather see us beat the Americans four to three, you know, and get that late goal that wins it, as opposed to well, what was the score? Oh, well, we beat the U.S. seventeen to five. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. I mean, that's good that we won, but really, that's not that much of a visual entertainment for me. I would much exactly. rather see a, a game that's worth watching, where the yeah. the outcome is in doubt at some point. I don't know. Um, the Oilers are they're they're just it's an interesting thing. So so let's go on from there. We we kicked that enough. I mean, we're never going to come up with any answers there. <laughs> Basically, we're uh, we're 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 to the point where I think uh, it's going to be interesting who they decide is going to general manage this team. Uh, I see Keith Gretzky. Keith Gretzky says he does not want to be the general manager. I I saw today. So that alone was interesting to me. Um, Now who that's going to be, I have no idea. Uh, I'm not even going to speculate on who they could hire or possibilities because I don't even know uh, the range of guys that might be available. So let's, let's skip that part. What do they do? We've got the trade deadline coming up in two days, three days. What do the Oilers do? Do they take take their their Alex Chasons and Zach Cassians and do they get whatever they can get for them and go into full, well, it won't be full rebuild mold because they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, Do they pull the trigger on a big deal and trade somebody like Hopkins for for a top three defenseman? Um because they can't stand Pat. That's the one thing they can't do. No. No, I, I, I was definitely clear on that. You cannot stand Pat. The, que- the real thing is, you gotta, I think, honestly, for this team, you look at everybody who's a UFA at the end of the year, and in the situation we're in, just ship them. And, I mean, a guy like Alex Chason, there's been rumors and a couple of guys putting it out there. Well, he really likes it in Edmonton. Well, you know what? If he likes it in Edmonton, then send him away. He'll come back. If he loves it that much, he'll come back. Don't worry about it. So send him away, get the pick, and whatever. Maybe a lower well, prospect. Today and good to go. on uh, Hockey Central, the, the rumor, I mean, take it for what it's worth because it is a rumor, is that they're asking for a prospect and a second rounder for Chase on. Oh. And I'm going, they ain't getting that. No. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm heavily speed. happy with a – B grade prospect and a third rounder, or if it's a yeah, good enough B, ra- B prospect, B prospect. I'm if you want to notch it up to a B plus, give me a fourth rounder. And you know what? Honestly, we're not dealing from a position by, of strength by any means. That's the issue. The Oilers are not dealing with even no matter how good of job Keith Gretzky has done with the previous two trades, he's not out there demanding. Hey, look, I'm the guy who makes the deals. You are just there to basically say yes. Unfortunately, that's not the position the Oilers are dealing from okay, at well, this so deadline. So. Right. I agree. So let's, let's look at it this way. Okay. So Tobias Ryder, you let go, correct? Yep. You, you he's, not, he's an RFA, but you, you don't tend him an offer. You keep that no. $2 million. All right. Ty Ratty, do you let him go? Ty Ratty. I, I honestly love Ratty, but it's a way of expectation. He's making 800 grand. So yep. maybe if, if he's willing to resign for that small amount again, maybe you keep him, but otherwise you don't. Yep. Correct? Not, Fair enough. Well, we, we can't afford much. So Ty Roddy has to 
pretty much stand pat on his contract and come to camp next year expecting to do more to earn a contract the following right. season. The point, the point I'm trying to make is, well, if, when we get there, then I'll make it. Um, Chase On's only making 650000 There's no way he's playing for that next year. No. Because he he's going to get more somewhere else. Yep. So then the question becomes, well, do we take what we can get for him now? Probably, uh, right? If the uh, deal's exactly. okay, pro- probably. All right, what about – and then Brad Malone, I say, uh, we, we send him packing to – we don't offer him a, another uh, deal. That's yep. the forwards. All right, Alex Petrovic, we let him go. That's a $2 million, uh, 1.95. Yep. So we let him go. What about Kevin Gravel? Kevin Gravel, man, I, I honestly have to speak to this one. I, I've, I've loved that Kevin stepped in and done as much for a depleted Oilers defense as he ha- has at times as a guy on as low of a contract as he is, especially considering guys that we brought in to help Manning and Stitch have not played near as well in near as many games as Kevin Gravel has. But realistically, when you've got a defense that includes Sekra, Russell, Benning, Nurse, Clefbaum, Larson, guys like Jones, Bouchard, who we absolutely can't forget is pretty much a lock for next year's team. And I, I think I mentioned Jones, Bear. There's too many options to almost keep him at this point. Even, even at this point, we're running with eight defensemen, which I'm not a fan of to begin with. No, maybe I would say with him, maybe you give him a, a a small deal and you ship him off to Bakersfield and he's there if you need him later in the yep. year, maybe if your young guys don't quite pan out. All right. So I'm, I'm on board with all of that. Now we've got uh, the Pogliarvi story, <laughs> which I hear today. Now he's seeking uh, second medical opinions because yep. he's not in agreement with the Oilers. Uh, I, I'm kind of wondering if Jesse's days aren't over in Edmonton. Not sure. Uh, but yeah. regardless, he's a, he's an RFA and if he stays, you're going to have to pay him more. Not going to yep. have to be a lot more, but you're probably going to have to pay him more. Uh, and then Kahara, you're going to have to pay him more too. If he's yep. an RFA, I mean, he's only making 675. There's no way he's playing for that again. Cause he's not a bad, he's a good fourth line, third line grinder kind of guy. I don't mind. Yeah. Uh, okay. In, so, in the so basically, thing. Yes, in the traditional sense. You're not going to get 25 goals out of him. Don't don't even bother thinking that. That's not why you got him on the team. Um, all right, so basically, if that's all we're going to do, uh, we've saved $2 million from Ryder's contract, but that yeah. automatically gets eaten up by Nico Koskinen's $2 million raise next year. Yeah. Oh, and we haven't, and we haven't done anything with the, our backup goalie. Yeah, which, Stallers. Uh, which I'm not sure... They may cut him loose if they like um, uh, the two young guys they've got uh, going in the uh, start and Skinner. If they like either one of those, you yep. might see him not get re-signed. All right. So you, but basically, you we haven't moved any money. We, no, we haven't you, done any. We haven't done anything there that's enough to get another good player in. So well, what are and, they going to do? And think about how many guys you have just cut, right? You you cut five or six guys to bring in. They got to be replaced at, by somebody. Yeah, at most, if you if you budget contract it like you did with Alex Chase on, I mean, go get guys for two million and three million guys who can make an impact but are left nowhere to play and sign for that. Great, 
but that's still only two to three guys for five to six. And suddenly at this time next year, we're in the same situation because we signed that money, but here we are, we don't have the depth. And so, suddenly I, all right. So how do you, yeah. how do you feel about this doing something like this? Somebody is going to, and I don't know which team it will be, but there will be one who is got to do something to get to the cap floor. Yep. You like where you're uh, going. Take, my, take the Lucic contract off my hands. We'll give you Pugliarvi and we'll give you somebody else, prospect something, to get that $6 yep. million dollars, uh, out of our hair. Yep. And, and as long as you're replacing, if, if you package Pugliarvi and Lucic in the same deal, as long as you're replacing that, both of them, I mean, look at the production you're getting out of them, right? Realistically, you're using Pugliarvi to, as trade bait to get that contract off the books of Lucic. So you're just looking for a guy who's replacing between the two equivalent production. And I mean, equivalent production between the two is not even 30 points this year. So, no, I mean, you can, Cassian can do exactly what Lucic is doing. Uh, yep. Tajara can do exactly what Lucic is doing for a tenth of the money. Exactly. Okay, so you're on board with that move. Um, after that, I don't know. My next thing, to be quite honest, if I don't think I'm gonna gonna get any further than we're getting this year, I'm starting to look at some of those four and five million dollar defensemen we have that are not horrible defensemen, but there's no uh, there's no. I, I'm sorry, Andrew Andre Sakara and Oscar Kleffbaum are. Five, six guys, maybe fours, maybe. Larson. And see, I, I, I view I view Bomb as a really soft number two, in the sense that if, as as you said about the Oilers looking at guys as the next one kind of deal, a few minutes ago, if you look at Bomb from that perspective, if he would have had someone that was a true number one defenseman, right, like a guy like Shea Weber, a guy like. Oh, okay, but yes, but, but, but Edmonton doesn't. Yeah, you can put Clefbaum becomes. Um, yeah, he's a he's a soft two if he can play with a real number one. Exactly, exactly, and that, that's the hard that, part with the Oilers. Right, I'll give you that. So so then Sakara's hurt all the time anyway. Yep. I I unload him. I unload him. Oh. That's five and a half million dollars. That's that's I, what I'm looking at. I, I liked your cap uh, cap floor comment because you go to the cap floor. If somebody's struggling to meet cap floor after the deadline, obviously you're going to be able to deal either Lucic or Sekra at the deadline. But if you deal one of them, it all of a sudden frees up this thinking in Edmonton that maybe you can deal both, and you deal both of them, this team next year is well, suddenly 10 times got, different. Well, God, yeah. You've got, suddenly you've got, we freed up $11, $12 million in a heartbeat. Yep. Now you can get, now even, now I don't have to do anything on the trade market. I can go after now getting them free agents is a whole other story, but at least yep. I've got the money to go after them. Right, exactly. now they, right now, the owners can't even send anybody down to the miners. <laughs> they don't have no. enough money to bring anybody back up. It's, it's ridiculous. And I'll take it Wait. even further. I think I might even get rid of another defenseman, especially if I think I can get back a number one. I might get rid of a, a Russell or Clefbaum if I could. If, yeah. I, if I know I can get a number one back. And then I bring up my young guys. 
So I got I've got uh, whoever this number one defenseman is, whoever that might be. I got him and Larson. I got Nurse and Benning, and I bring up all three of those young guys. I go, let's see yep. what you got, boys. Let's yep. let's and see what 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 what's in the bag here, and if if we we can't be any worse than we are now. Uh, so, no, that's, that, that's exactly. So yeah, so why not go for it? And at least I've got, you know, I've got twelve million dollars in my pocket. Where if somebody does come up, like I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I'm not saying the Oilers should have done this, but how good does Steve Duchesne look in an Oilers jersey, or Mark yeah. Stone? But they oh. can't even they can't even entertain those deals. No, even if the guy wanted to come here, they still couldn't do it. It's just they they don't have the they don't have the cap space and they don't have anybody in the minors that anybody really wants that they want to get rid of. And then not, don't not even get talking. me started on the and then don't even get me started on the Miko Koskinen thing because oh. that was just a total. Not they bungled not, they bungled that in ways that I can't even. Oh. <laughs> if if you want to talk about old boys club versus Peter Shirelli versus Daryl Cates, Miko Koskinen oh. extension is topic number one that sits yeah, well, there and you yeah. ask yourself who is calling the shots right so you who said you don't want to get on to it so who gave that guy two and a half million dollars for when he hadn't even played at that point what 11 it was nothing yeah. and then to turn around and give him a, another two million dollar raise based on I mean he hasn't been horrible no. he's not a foreigner He's not a four and a half million dollar goalie though either. No, and not that, yet, but anyway. it, it, it's the same thing as though Cam Talbot, right? Cam Talbot, he's a guy that is hot on the radar because, hold on, he backed up Henrik Lundqvist, and when Lundqvist went down a couple times with injury, he looked really good. All of a sudden, he has a good season because he's out of the shadows, and then you expect him to just carry that forward by giving him a big contract. Well, I'm sorry, there's a history in Edmonton. You give them a big contract. Suddenly, them don't perform. Yeah, well, how do you feel about the? Yeah, that, uh, how are you on time, Tyson? I'm all right on time. I've, okay, I, I got about twenty minutes. I got about twenty minutes <laughs> left, so let's let's just keep going. How do you feel <laughs> about? Uh, I mean, I like Leon Dreisaitl as an offensive player. Yep. After that, I think he's kind of lazy. And just I my, mean, just my take. Uh, not all the time. He has moments where he seems very disinterested in what's going on out there. I, I think you just hit it, hit it on the head. Honestly, Dreisaitl as an offensive player, whether with or without McDavid, that's always the debate. I, I like him either or. The defensive side of the puck, the laziness that, I mean, I don't want to say it strikes at random because it seems to be more so than not most times, but it, it's almost, okay, let's go to the random point. Let's go the defense at random, right? All of a sudden, you, you see him be lazy three shifts in a row on the back check. He's gliding into the zone. He, he's looking as that high-scoring breakaway winger mentality. And then all of a sudden, shift number caught, and they're coming back. They pass it back higher into the zone to try and set up a play. And there's Dreisaitl coming out of nowhere, stealing the puck, and suddenly the Oilers are on the attack. You're sitting there like, why can't we have that all the time? Because if he could figure out how to do that every single shift on those kind of plays and produce as offensively as he does at every other point of the game, we, we, we'd be talking somehow even more 
confused about this Oilers team than we are now. <laughs> because Well, I, I, I heard a good analogy about him. and Somebody said he's a lot like Evgeny Malkin. Okay. When he wants to when he wants to play, he's an absolute wizard out there, and when he doesn't, he's hot guarded. Yep. And, and, and I mean, and Evgeny is not interested in playing defense very much, unless it means he can get a breakaway. Then he's then he's interested, but otherwise, and that's, really, that's really exactly not. what I was just saying. So yeah. And, and, but but and then but like they said though in Pittsburgh that team is structured in a way that they can allow him to do that. Yep. Uh, hold on a second, Tyson. I got somebody knocking yep. at my door. Give me two seconds. Yep. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm All right, back at her. All righty. Um, anyway, yeah, that, that the Penguins are structured in such a way that they don't care if he does those things. He's out there to get goals. Whereas the as, uh, Oilers can't afford that. No. No. Haven't no. <laughs> the, way the way their team is made. So, which leads me to, you know, now if you could pick up Mark Stone or Steve Duchesne or somebody like that, suddenly the Oilers are, uh, well, you can afford to put Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. Yep. All the time. If well, you want to go down that route. And you, you think about this. Dreisaitl, McDavid, and Stone as a top line. <clears throat> I mean, what, what do we have? Stone competing to be the best defensive forward in the NHL year after year. You, you think about a guy that can score goals, a guy that can play top-notch defense as a forward in the NHL, and you have McDavid and Dreisaitl somehow together on that line? Oh, I, I mean, we've had some good top lines in the Oilers' history, but that that's one that may, if, if it were that? to ever come to fruition, that's the one that oh, defines Connor McDavid. See, for me, that has always been the trouble with the Oilers from the moment they drafted Connor McDavid. And that's not his fault. I put no blame on him. They have a number. They have a, a first punch that is in awesome. Yep. And if that first punch doesn't connect, they don't have another one. No. And one thing this season, <laughs> just... thankfully, thankfully this season we've seen Ryan Nugent Hopkins come out and be that number one overall pick he was all those years ago. But oh, I've is, always thought that the, the Nugent was always. Uh, I always thought he was a pretty steady guy. Wow. Yeah, oh, absolutely steady. But now we're seeing the big-time point production, and that's, that's unreal. But the problem is, Nuge is doing it down there with who on his line every night? Tobias Reeder, Milan Lucic, Tobias well, Reeder, not, Zach Kazian? Which, like, which leads to another question. Is, is why, why can the Edmonton Oilers not pick a line combination and give it more than three shifts to, to do something? And, okay, so... That was my frustration. That that was one of my reasons I wanted Todd McClellan fired. Okay, it was the, the the absolutely stupid blend the lines as soon as the puck drops. We we don't know what we're doing kind of coaching mentality. We're just throwing guys out there and hoping for something to go in. Well, and then you get Ken Hitchcock who keeps the lines together for game one. The Oilers win, but suddenly every game since then it's been the game gets 
to one nothing for either team, and suddenly, I, I mean, you might as well just have a giant uh, Cuisinart blender on the bench and say, why not? Uh, why not throw Connor McDavid? Ah, Nurse, you can play wing and uh, Coffin, and you're gonna you're gonna play. <laughs> What's well, about that right? bad? You yeah, just, you have no clue. And I don't know. I mean, granted, Connor is a great player, but even he can't. Uh, he can't adjust that fast. No. And those guys can't. Most of them can't keep up to him anyway. So oh, what's exactly. he supposed to do? Slow. What's he supposed to do? Slow down. And we all know as soon as Connor McDavid <laughs> well, slows down, you watched that New York Islanders game last night. Connor McDavid not playing at one hundred percent. The game was coming slower than he's used to. And he was fighting it. He was fighting it for the first two periods, 110%. He, I mean, Raddy passed him the puck in neutral ice. And even though it was behind him, that's the puck we've seen McDavid spin, pick up, and break away. Ten seconds later, it's back to the neck kind of deal every time. And last night, it just goes right on past him. And he looks, he looks almost, I, I, he, he almost can't even point where he's looking. It's almost as if he's trying to look at himself and say, what's going on here, right? Yeah, I don't and, understand. I mean, and there again, uh, maybe I come from a different time. Uh, back in the day, they would have they would have said, okay, you take the puck and you go to the net, you do whatever you want to do with it, and we'll have a guy there to try to pick up your garbage, and we'll have another winger kind of back in the high slot in case yep. you get caught and turn over the puck so we've got somebody back and go out there and do your thing. But they don't do that. You're, you're, you're reminding me of my favorite line from uh, the Ken Hitchcock era. De- responsible defense, defensive responsibility, however you want to put it. It, it. it starts as much 200 feet away from your net as it does five feet yeah, to the side of your net, right? I mean, the game against Pittsburgh, that near the end of the game, Sidney Crosby absolutely schooled McDavid oh. behind the net. Oh, man. Absolutely owned him. Now, granted, Sid is however many years older and much more experienced, and he is a pretty good defensive player for the offense he brings. Yep. That's the kind of, that is the kind of effort that you need to see out of the Edmonton players. Okay, we don't and, have the puck. We want it back. Yep. And, <laughs> we want it back, and, I mean, and we want to go. The thing is, it, it's it, it's getting it back, and the Oilers every time they seem to lose the puck and they want it back, somehow it's a penalty. And I mean, I'm not blaming the refs by any stretch. It, it's a matter of the, they either overcommit to getting the puck or undercommit. And if they undercommit, it's back in the net. If they overcommit, it's a penalty. And for what now? How many games have we played? 60 games this season, we we have far and few between figured out the medium area on how to get the puck back, like Sidney Crosby or those guys who can do it, like No Tomorrow behind the net or in the corners, do night in, night out. Well, like I've, um, got, the, I've got the Colorado-Chicago game on my television right now. Sound off, but I can see it. Yeah. And I just watched how Colorado, who is only an average team, maybe slightly better than Edmonton. You know, in their own end, you know, they gave up the puck. They collapsed to the front of the net. And as soon as the Chicago guy got it in the corner, the wingers go back out to the, 
you know, to the points, and yep. it only takes one errant chip pass, and you know, the puck is out. And they're not. Yep. <laughs> and Edmonton, you'll see five guys will co- they'll collapse, and they forget to uncollapse. Yep. We're just five guys. <laughs> suddenly, and I... suddenly, there's five guys puck watching in the corner. And somebody standing in front of the net for the tip in or whatever. Even against the Islanders, we saw it once or twice. Uh, and I'm and, just like, what in the heck are they doing? That that is becoming such a nightmare scenario for the Oilers. You see that guy standing there with his stick blade at a 45, 30, 15 degree <laughs> angle, whatever's going to get it top corner on Carlson, yeah. and, and you just you just sit there and what, for I it. mean, I've, I've used the train wreck analogy how many times this interview, but. You sit there and you just, here it comes, here it comes, three, two, one. Okay, let's move on. That was ugly. Okay, but to Here's me, that, that is coachable. So oh, how, yeah, if, 100%. If, okay, I mean, and Ken Hitchcock is one of the best coaches of all time. Yeah. So if he can't, so if he can't get them to do this, is, now, are, are, we trying to, I mean, are we trying to say that Edmonton, Edmonton players aren't smart enough to play defense? Or they don't want to, like what's the scoop? That, and that becomes, that, you know, and that gets back to the whole point of, of us talking. This is, I mean, I. To me, the the problems in Edmonton, the list is so long. That they're going to have to start at the top, and hope that you know they, they get a general manager who actually has a clue and that that ownership lets him do something. That's another yep. question. Um, and then they're going to have to make a lot of really good decisions or they're going to be bad again for the next three or four years. Cause even with Connor, he can only do so much. Well, and you think what he's got the, he's, he's averaging over a point in some stupid point per game average. And this team is where it is. And you've got dry settle, as I mentioned, Nuge and Hopkins. And then after that, it just deflates because this team can't play the defense, and that's my biggest, one of my bigger frustrations too. You look at this team, they can't play the defense to get the puck to get the offense, but they're playing the defense, and instead of getting that puck to the offense, it's back of the net every time. Like you said, five guys puck watching in the corner is going to lead to the back of the net instead of leading the puck down ice where a Cassian can fish it free and maybe get it to McDavid in front, right? I mean, when you look at their stats, I mean, McDavid's got 85 points, Dreisaitl's got 73, Hopkins has got 55, and I'm going, okay, this is pretty awesome. Then Darnell Nurse has got 29. Yep. Jason's got 27, which is a total, you know, whether that's going to happen again or not, who knows. Yep. And then we're into, and then we're into the teens. And then you've got yeah. – <laughs> and then it just gets – you know, and then what's worse is, is it's defenseman. You got Clefbaum and Larson who've got more points than than the wingers. Yeah. Kajula's still in the top ten. Yeah. I mean, and then it just get I mean, and then it gets really embarrassing where you've got guys that have played ten and fifteen and twenty games that have one and two points. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, this is unacceptable. And here's <laughs> at the this thing. Level. We're we're now as Oilers fans. I mean, my my stream and the guys I talk to on a daily basis text during the day as news comes out we're impressed by a guy like Colby Cave who just got his first point after being with the team for however long now this season 
And we're thinking, oh, man, this guy's really starting to pour it on for us. He's having some really good shifts. <laughs> he's got one point. He's got one assist in 11 games. Yeah, and we're in, we're in the thick. We're in the thick of a complete kind of twilight zone playoff run for the Western <laughs> Conference where you've got yeah, second wildcard seed through to the eighth wildcard separated by six points. Like, and, and that's what we've got going. Well, I've done the math, and I, I fully suspect that these standings, how they are now, are going to be pretty much how they end up. Minnesota yep. may not make. Minnesota may not make it. That may be Colorado or Chicago, maybe Arizona. The way they're playing, but I don't think they've got the horses. Vancouver no. doesn't have the horses. The Ducks don't have the horses. Edmonton doesn't either, and the Kings are and the Kings are done. I would suspect yeah. that, that as, as much as, uh, although that being said, it really is just a matter of if, if you could go on a five or six win, game win streak, you could be right back in. Oh, you think about the Oilers' next five games. They win five games in a row, and even three of the five or six teams ahead of them lose three or, five ga- three or four games. Suddenly we are talking, right now is a confusing mess of the standings. The Oilers suddenly win four games, five games in a row. It gets so much more messier that by, what, mid-March, we're sitting here shaking a stick at every single predictions board in the world saying, I I honestly couldn't tell you which is the odds-on favorite. Like, I I wouldn't want to be, if the Oilers win four or five games in a row from here on, counting the Islanders games, so three or four more in a row, I would not want to be an odds maker in Vegas betting on, the Western Conference wildcard race. That's well, I know this by. much. They got Anaheim tomorrow night. Mind you, they're going to be minus McDavid now for two. Yep. That is uh, maybe not a solid win, but a definite winnable game. Oh, easy. So that's one. Then they got Nashville on the road. Not so winnable, probably. No. Uh, Toronto has not been playing that good, and Edmonton plays fairly good against Toronto, but that game's in Toronto. And yeah. I would I would have to say if you were going to pick somebody, you're probably going to pick Toronto to win that. Yep. Uh, then they got Ottawa. That's a, a winnable game. Then things start to get kind of ugly. Then they got Columbus, pretty good team. Um, on the road to Buffalo, yeah, maybe. Vancouver, that's a winnable game. And I got Toronto again. Yeah. Rangers, that's a winnable game. Yeah. Devils, you know, Aris, They, I mean, their fate is in there. I mean, they've got enough games against the teams that are chasing them or that they're chasing that they could yeah. get close. Well, but then they're, 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 their big trouble is April. They've got Vegas, Colorado, San Jose, and Calgary to end the season. Yeah. So they're going to get them. They, they, can, they better get them now. Oh, exactly. If we're playing meaningful games in April, it's some kind of miracle. But even at that, right now, 22 games remaining on the schedule, we've got 25 wins. You win 15 of these games. You win three-quarters of the games remaining. And you've got a 40-win record. That, that, that's still – that's, that's hot, but man, I mean, but can you it's really – It's a lot to ask, but – The Oilers are going to go 15 and 7? Well, and that, that's exactly – it's a lot to ask, but you the know, fact they, that that's – still a possibility, right? Mathematically, it's a possibility. Well, I'm yes. not invested okay, in it. I'm, yes, that is the bottom line. Until they're yeah. mathematically eliminated, 
all yeah. bets are off. You you just have to keep hoping that they can string together wins. And their trouble too is like tonight where you've got you know Colorado's playing Chicago. Yeah. So somebody ahead somebody ahead of you is getting points regardless of what happens. Or yeah. and worse and worse somebody gets the loser point. Oh, the worst case scenario, which I really think the NHL needs to take a look at. Yeah, I think that that that, that system is broken for me. But anyway, well, uh, so All basically right. we've come to the conclusion that the Oilers there's just a lot of work to be done there, <laughs> and really until they pick somebody who's going to be in charge of doing it, I, I really think don't you know. Said- I think you said it best. All bets are off until something is concrete at this point. And right now, she's a lot of she's a lot of I mean, from what mud. from what I can gather, Keith Gretzky has basically been mandated to if he can free up money and get picks back, he can kind of he's been left to kind of do that with the lower end players. Yep. Um, that's fair. And I can't see them having the willpower to get rid of anybody else at this point. The only other thing maybe that I could see that they could do if their ownership is willing to eat the, the cost is to buy out Lucic. Oh, I, give, I... Which gives you some savings, but it's not a ton. No, um, and, and the the issue with the buyout is we've got Benoit Pouliot on the books for 1.33 after buying him out a couple of years ago. So do you really want another Well, I think mil, you, you end up mil. with... Yo, I think it's worse than that. I think it's... Uh, uh, I'm going to bring it up because I, I looked at it the other day and I went, okay. I, I wondered why they hadn't done it. Uh, yeah. like, oh, okay. I can, I can sort of understand. If you buy him out, um, you're looking at a cap hit from 2019 to 20. I mean, you're going to be paying him until 2026. Oh yeah. You've got, you've got a huge cap hit for the, the way his contract is uh, structured. You take a cap hit of 3.6 for the, next year, then 5.6, then 4.1, then 5.6 again, and then only 625 grand. But by that time, you know, the four years, by that time, you're, you're just about out of the contract anyway, and it really doesn't. You only save yeah. uh, three, and a half million, three and a half million dollars. It's not much. That's why no. they don't do it. Exactly. They got to find somebody to take that con. I mean, either that or... Like, I just don't know what to do with him. I, I, I really don't. I mean, he's not, he's just not fast enough to keep up to the Oilers' good players. He just, he just can't. Yeah. And to pay a guy, like so, you said, to be a $6 million fourth liner, that, that's some kind of broken right there. Well, when you consider guys, I mean, I, I personally can't stand Tom Wilson as a hockey player. Yeah. And, he, and he's not even making that kind of money. No. Well, he's, what, and, 5.12? You know, that, that, something like that. I mean, but he, he also provides on both ends. Whereas, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Milan, at least at one time in his career, brought some physicality. Yeah. But I don't really even think he – I mean, he gets a lot of hits, but they're kind of pointless ones. Yeah. I mean, you know, like the other night there when uh, against Anaheim when uh, Connor got, got a run behind the net. I mean, Milan Lucic should have grabbed the nearest duck player and started punching him until somebody stopped him. Yeah. 
and said, you know, if you're going to do this, I mean, because losing him, getting him thrown out of the game is not a costly move. No. Really. No, no. I mean, he, yeah, you might as well do something and at least let somebody know that, hey, if you're, if you're going to hit him, you know, there's at least a good chance I'm, you're going to get, you're going to have to at least answer the bell. And, they, and that never even happened. And they've got two other or three other guys on that team that are supposed to be able to do that that don't. Yep. Cassian, Brodziak, guys like that. I don't know. Okay, well, I'll leave you with this one last thought. we got about three minutes left. Um, what would you say to this? And I know what you're going to say, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. What if they traded Connor McDavid? Connor McDavid trade, I, I think you know exactly where I'm going. It, you can never get enough in return because it, it's as simple as this. Yes, you have the fact that Gretzky's get got traded so anyone can get traded but in long run short Connor McDavid at some point in his career is guaranteed to win a Stanley Cup that's I I, I don't think anyone can bet against that and the but trade away really guy it, that but, but will he do it at Edmonton though that's exactly to, to trade away a guy who could do that for your franchise and especially put up hundreds of points a season or over a span of five years, 10 years, whatever. It's just mind numbing to think that you could possibly trade that kind of sky's the limit, unlimited potential, but at the same rate, you, you sit here and you do this Connor, like we did last year, this year so far, and you do it next year and maybe the year after. I, I don't know what other options you have. I don't, because I don't think, I don't think any. he ever gets traded. I could see him when his contract is up. I could see him leaving if yep. they don't get don't get the ship going in the right direction. Nobody can, as you said, nobody can give you enough uh, players that you can actually put out on the ice to replace him. You can give me all yep. the draft picks in the world, but those aren't guarantees. You're no. gonna have to give me. You're gonna have to give me basically a line of. of you're gonna have to give me your first line. Basically. Yep. And nobody can afford to do that with the cap hit and all that nonsense. So that doesn't really work. Um, all right. Well, fair enough. I thought I'd throw it out there, seeing as uh, I know you're 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 an owner guy. So because I've read, you know, a few guys that's been there suggesting, and I I just don't. That's just making things worse, in yep. my opinion. But but anyway. All right. Well, Tyson, it was great to have you on. We got to do this again sometime, sooner awesome. than later. I think. I, I don't know yep. what else we'll talk about, but. Maybe we can pick on another. Uh, we can work on some other dumpster fire like the Ottawa Senators. Well, I think I think honestly, I, I'd love to come back and see how wrong or right I am by the end of the season, somewhere around April ninth, tenth, somewhere in there. Once we have the playoff picture and stuff, I'd love to come back and either yeah, like we'll I do all the happens. time, eat my words, or say I was right. Well, maybe, maybe what we maybe what we could do is maybe we should do one more where we kind of make our semi playoff predictions now. And let's okay. see how right we both are by the end of the when April comes and it's all settled and done. All right. Fair enough. Sounds right. good. I'm good. All right. Have okay. a good one. I'm sure Friday night in the, near the big city is probably a good time for a young guy, no doubt. So. Oh no, the work never stops. I think I've got to get that Connor McDavid reaction about the suspension, and then. Oh. Maybe maybe down to the old town bar, and we'll see where it goes from there. You never know. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. Thanks for your time, Tim.
Hey, no problem. Take care. Yep. Bye. All right. That was Tyson Dolany from Dolany TV. Good conversation. Good laughing, smacking over the Oilers in both directions. Um, and basically came to the conclusion of saying people that you just don't know until it all plays out. And there's just so many variables and so many things you, you just can't, you can't know. So with that, uh, you know, if you're a fan of the Edmonton Oilers, cheer for the Edmonton Oilers. Don't worry about it. If you're a fan of the Ottawa Senators, cheer for the Ottawa Senators if you like them. doesn't matter if you're not the greatest team in the world right now. You like them, you like them. Cheer for them loud and proud and all that stuff. Because that's what makes the games fun. You have a lot more fun uh, uh, watching if you're not, uh, I mean, sure, you want your teams to win, and that's great. But, uh, you know, take the moments as they come and enjoy it. So I think that's going to be it for another Wide Men Can't Score. This is, uh, as always, has been Tim from the Great White North. Uh, I hope everybody has a great weekend and uh, enjoy the games. There's only a couple on tonight, but uh, we got a uh, big slate on Saturday. Um, of course, without Connor. Oh, Colorado has just scored to take the lead on Chicago. I guess regardless of what happens in this game, not good news for other fans. But we'll leave it at that. So uh, everybody have a good weekend, and uh, we'll see you next time around. I ain't even got to say it. That's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanShum.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Man Radio Network.